No fish have been harmed in the making of this podcast. I'd like to welcome everybody aboard and thank you for joining Talking Bass in PDX, the Bass and Warm Water Forum for the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark and I'll be your host. This is a very special podcast because I'll be featuring the June program for the Oregon Bass and Panfish Club. Due to the governor's orders back in March, the Oregon Bass and Panfish Club general meetings have been put on hold. During the monthly meeting, we generally have a guest speaker, and with the technology we have today, we saw no reason to stop the programs. All of our meetings are open to the public, but if you'd like more information on Oregon Bass and Panfish Club, please check out the website at www.oregonbassandpanfishclub.com. I will also have that site in the show notes. With me today is a very special guest. He's a graduate of Oregon State University, and he's been a professional bass fisherman for the past 32 years. In 2002, he was a Bassmaster Classic winner, and in 2003, Bass Angler of the Year. But back in 2015, he became the Executive Director of Cast for Kids. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Don. Glad to be here with you. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy that uh, things are starting to open up a little bit again and that we're getting a little bit of fishing in for a change. It's, it seemed like we had uh, forgotten all about working and just staying inside there for a while. Yeah, I know. It's good to get back out and have all the boat ramps open and stuff. And We uh, take that for granted, man. It's, it's, uh, it's nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's refreshing to be able to go outside and, and enjoy some of the, the beauty we have up here in the Northwest. Well, I wanted to kick this interview off because I noticed that as I was reading through some of the information about you, you've, you've been a fisherman right out of college. How did you get started in fishing? Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, you're right, I did. I went to Oregon State, graduated in 1987. Whether I was in the School of Forestry, Resource Recreation Management, but I never did use that degree. I just fished ever since I got out of school. But we, um, I started bass fishing in high school, and then when I got to OSU, um, I I uh, started fishing tournaments and stuff around Oregon, and and uh, had a little small boat all through college, a little aluminum boat, and. Uh, but it got me around, you know, our, most of the little lakes up the coast are pretty small. And, um, it was a little small for the Columbia river, but we didn't go up there too much. I'd go with friends in their bass boats when, when we headed up that way. But I, that's where I started was back during my days at Oregon state and, and then in high school, but prior to those days in college. So we got, but kind of cut my teeth bass fishing around the state of Oregon and just, still good really good fishing today it's fun to go back to some of those spots and and reminisce about catching them there 30 years ago we were down at silk coos back in may one day and i ran up in this fiddle creek arm and i remember catching a bunch there years ago and sure enough we were fished down the same shoreline caught some nice bass and uh yeah it's been been a fun place to learn how to bass fish around here in oregon now, you had mentioned Sokus Lake, and I was just down at Sokus uh, two and a half weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Ago. How'd your trip go down there? 
You know, we had great uh, weather. However, we found the fishing to be difficult. We uh, boated um, five fish between two boats, and when they when they bought when they bit, they were great. But you were fishing a lot of a uh, lot of cast. Um, yeah. We think we think that they were spawning and that they were probably uh, up closer to shore than what we were throwing. Could be. Yeah. Did you see any on beds? You know, I didn't. I had um, I had my my glasses, my sunglasses on. I kept looking. Uh, we did catch one, the male that uh, his tail was pretty beat up, so we assumed that uh, he had been on a bed. Uh, and uh, we did catch one 19 and a half inch female, uh, and she uh, we believe that she was on a bed. So uh, we did try Fiddle Creek because I know that when I talked to you a little while ago that you'd said that was one of your spots. So I did head up there and. And didn't get any in there, but uh, we did get a few that week. What was some of your favorite lakes over on the coast? Was Silcoos one of your favorites? Oh, yeah, that's all that and Ten Mile and Devils always was a favorite. Back um, when I was in school, I spent my summers in Lincoln City. My grandparents had a place over here, and we I'd fish Devils every night. And back then, that was pre grass carp. You know, this is back in the mid early to mid '80s, and it, the lake was full of that Eurasian water milfoil, and it was loaded with bass. And that's one reason I got hooked on bass fishing was go, we I'd work all day in the summer, then I'd go out and fish from you know from like seven till nine or nine thirty days or so long this time of year, and go out and throw a buzz bait and catch 15, 20 bass almost every night on a buzzbait. I mean, that's, I mean, you can't, you're lucky to catch one now doing that. Um, But back then the lake was full of grass. You know, half the lake would mat up with watermill foil on the surface and and, uh, it caused those water skiers all kinds of trouble. So they, homeowners wanted to put carp in there to clean the lake up. And those gra- there's still grass carp in there. Thirty years later, they've we saw some out there the other day. They were supposed to be the type that couldn't spawn, but somehow they've they don't live thirty years. So somehow they're they're <laughs> they found a way to multiply. But it's uh, it's there aren't nearly as many as there used to be, and there is some like some little eel grass that's starting to come back in that lake. So it's maybe well, there's some hope for the future there, but. It, that that was so much fun, and, and nobody fished that lake back then. I mean, not, you'd never see anybody bass fishing, and be able to go out through a top water and catch fish like that was really a lot of fun. Yeah, I have fished over there several times, thinking that there were bass in the lake, and and there's been several people who said, well, there used to be bass there. Eh, I got to tell you, it kind of breaks my heart to to have a lake so close to to where I live. I only live about fifty miles from there, and uh, it would be so nice to be able to run over and get some oh, yeah. freshwater fishing in. Yeah, we we uh, I fished I fish, I live in Lincoln City now, so I've been fishing it I, a little, and it's I mean I took my son-in-law out there Thursday night. We went out and caught he caught one fish. It was a five pounder on a buzz bait. That was pretty fun, the biggest one he's ever caught. But then we went out the next evening and we fished for three hours never had a bite oh no i take that back my daughter caught a 112 incher on a senko but i mean that's that's 
that's you fish two or three hours and you'll get about one bite from a bass and it's just it's hardly worth going out there when when it's you know and that's somebody that's a professional <laughs> a professional for 30 years can only get one bite it, you know there aren't many bass in the lake so i mean you can hit it just right you know like during this the peak few weeks of the year and you go out and catch there's some nice ones in there but there's just so few that uh it's hard to you know drive an hour hour and a half and take a day off work to go out and catch one or two bass on it there's a lot better places to fish in oregon than that and it'll come back it's just um especially if the grass comes back in the lake and um but right now yes silk goose is probably fishing the best of any of the coastal lakes and you know, 10 miles in a little bit of a slump. It was really good about five years ago, but it's still a good, you know, Takamich is always strong. And anyway, it's the, our best fishing for bass in Oregon is the Columbia. And the Columbia is just loaded with them and Hood, Hood River and Cascade Locks up in that area. And then, you know, the, the Willamette's got a lot of bass too. They're just not as big as a general rule as the Columbia River. Uh, but you can catch a lot of fish and on the willamette so in fact one day like this spring i put in right there in dayton where where you live and went out to the willamette we caught several smallmouth out there and never did get a, a fish over about three pounds but we've had a lot of a lot of nice fish and good action it was a lot of fun yeah i will say that the uh willamette from um about dayton down to uh Oh, about West Lynn or so has been tremendous this uh, past couple months. I have heard reports of 20 to 60 fish per day being caught. Now, the 60 fish was a long day. He, he was out there for 14 hours, but um, there are a lot of fish. I believe it. Yeah, I yeah. totally believe that. And, uh, yeah, it's loaded. That's, it's for numbers. That's fishing as good as any place in the state for bass. And... Uh, you know the the Columbia the bass up there are just a bigger a bigger grade of fish as a general rule. I mean you catch a lot of little ones on the Columbia too. You'll catch more big fish on the Columbia than you will on the Willamette. But it's yeah those our smallmouth fishing is pretty darn good for numbers and and uh, of course there's a lot of smaller lakes around the state that are fun. But or for largemouth, Oregon's got a lot of opportunity for sure for for good bass fishing. Oh yeah, I mean, if uh, if a person wants to get out and fish and they want warm water fishing, there's there's plenty of places to go, and we just uh, had a report. Uh, actually, I've got pictures of the fish, but the there was an 18 and a half inch smallmouth caught uh, on the upper Willamette just uh, just this past week, and a 24 and a half inch channel catfish on the same day. Wow! Yeah, on a um, on a swim bait. So I'll be darn. Probably having a swim bait, catfish on a swim bait. That's a rare. Or rare feet. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I've ever caught a catfish on a swim bait, even even uh, like up on the Multnomah Channel or anything like that. So I thought that was pretty uh, a pretty good one. <laughs> That's fun. That's hard to do. I've done it. I've caught several on crankbaits, but it's a rare a rare occasion when that happens. So. Yeah, that's but that's fun. Makes you, you think first. You think you've got a great big old whale of a bass on there, but it's it's a little bit of a letdown when it starts spinning underwater, and you know it's a catfish. But, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And what 
What type of baits do you like to, what's your go-to baits? Let's put it that way. Well, that all depends on if I'm fishing for largemouth or smallmouth, you know, and the, the, um, in Oregon, jigs have always, jigs and worms have always been the, you know, the staple for largemouth and, that's the way it is for most northern lakes too. For largemouth, it's it's jig and worm fisheries, and and uh, you know when I say worm, I'm you know talking like senkos and drop shots and small Texas rigs and stuff like that. And you know the black at the coast, a black jig or black and blue jig has always been really a, you know a killer over the years. They just those two baits, you know, well, those that set of baits is really good. Compare, you can catch them on crankbait and spinner baits. Chatter baits are good sometimes, really good actually in the early spring, around the grass and weed beds at Ten Mile and Silk Coast and places like that. But I love a good topwater bite too. Our coastal lakes aren't great with topwater, but you can get some good. Po- like June is a good topwater month at the coast for. Fish just coming off the bed, and you get around some, you know, pads and shallow cover. You catch some on a on a buzzbait or a frog, that sort of thing. That's always a lot of fun. But for smallmouth, it's I like to really do a lot of drop shotting or jig fishing. Same, pretty much the same thing. You know, it's jigs and worms or soft plastics, senkos and. Um, little baits like that, or or uh, my a little Yamamoto shad shaped worm is one of my go tos for drop shotting that for smallmouth on the Columbia and the Willamette. You can catch bass after bass, catch a lot of fish on it, just like with a little one knot hook and that kind of nose hook, the little shad shaped worm, green pumpkin. That that bait catches smallmouth on a drop shot all over the country. We uh, Put it to good use up in New York last summer in a Bassmaster tournament and had a good finish up there on that little bait. But that's, those are, uh, you know, pretty much the, you know, some of my favorites. There's, there's times you get small, good smallmouth fishing on top waters and spinner baits and crank baits for sure. So it's, I'm like every other bass fisherman. I've got tack, oodles and oodles of bass tackle, more, way more than I need. And uh, that's because it all works, and it, it, there's always a time and a place all of that stuff will work. So, and, yeah. and we've, uh, you know, we've been doing uh, a lot of drop shop fishing out here, and I and I was pleasantly surprised when you said that a, a few minutes ago about the fact that it also worked in New York. So, you know, the techniques must be similar when you're talking about uh, drop shot. But one of the things that's making a comeback here, and I just wanted to ask you about it because. I, I did some research on it, and it's from the 50s, but the Ned Rig, do you ever use that that particular type of setup? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, sometimes I do, but, yeah, Ned Rig is is great for smallmouth, and largemouth will grab it, too. I mean, I usually in a tournament scenario, you you try your best not to fish that when because you've got to catch big fish, but... Sometimes you have to resort to it, and it will catch a big fish, but it's kind of like uh, more known for number of quantities rather than quality. Um, but, yeah, that'll catch them for sure. It's a good, it's a great bait for catching numbers of fish. 
little med rig and just a little, you know, eighth ounce or so or quarter ounce, depending on, depending on the wind and current and stuff. But I like to go as light as I can with that. And that little three-inch Yamasenko is a good one on a on that med rig as well. So, yeah, that's a good way to catch, especially heavily pressured water that really seems to shine. I've been asking this question now. I've been doing this podcast for for a bit, and I've been asking this question. I've gotten some really unusual answers, but uh, what is the most unusual thing you've ever caught? It's funny. My, I was fishing with my daughter and my son-in-law yesterday. They asked me the same question. <laughs> so I have a fresh answer, but I don't. I couldn't really think of anything too unusual. I did catch a a nice bait casting combo one time. I was I pitched a little shaky head worm under a dock in a boat slip, and I was working it on the bottom, and I hung up on the on this uh, on the one of the guides of the pole, and I reeled it up and had a a nice bait casting combo. Obviously, the dock owner had dropped it into the lake and uh it was a little bit uh had a little bit of algae on it but i think i brought it in and gave it to a kid and they, he was able to it worked fine you know it probably been underwater for a week or two and uh but yeah that was i'm sure people you've heard of other things that were way more unusual i my wife hooked an alligator once down in florida by accident and uh, that was a little scary. Actually, I hooked a whale last summer out of Depot Bay, but it it uh, no, we were bottom fishing. I, I don't, well, I assume that's what it was. I don't know what it was. It was some big old heavy thing that <laughs> just took a bunch of lines, <laughs> broke the line. But yeah. it, uh, you never know. It could have been a shark or some big bottom fish, maybe a big two hundred pound lingcod. I don't know what it was, but you wow. never did see what that was. But yeah, it's. What what kind of stories have you heard? What's what stands oh, out to you? I've I've had people caught uh, car fenders and uh, pieces of cars, but the best one I heard just the other day was um, someone had hooked into uh, turned out to be a, a a grill off of a barbecue, but with the holes in it and that kind of thing. You know how it would move in the water, you know, and so they were fighting this thing for several minutes. And, you know, with the current and that type of thing, it was moving them around like a big fish. They thought maybe they had uh, caught a big bottom <laughs> fish. And, uh, and, and of course, there was a crowd around them, too. There were some people on shore watching them fight this thing. And then when they got it up, they noticed that they had caught themselves a big barbecue grill. So, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that, yeah, that was one of them. That's the once-in-a-lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, you're right. The thing would have acted like a... Like a rudder, you know, it would have been moving you around and that kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah, that, I can see how that would play for sure, and the current especially. Yeah. And so I've had uh, several of the club members, they, they sent me some questions in. I asked them for some questions, and so they sent me some questions in. And one of them was, what type of rod and reel do you like to use, and then what type of line do you like to use? Oh, I use Lou's rods and reels, and I use their Lou's Custom Pro rods, and I use their bait casters, um, the Lou's Custom Pro bait caster, and the, the Team Lou's Light bait caster. I really like that one as well, and um, got a few of their Pro Ti reels. That that's their highest end one, but that's those are they're awesome rods and they're really high quality. They 
you know, they, they're real durable. They don't have problems with the, the guides or the tips or breakage or anything. It's they're a, um, a great quality rod. And and uh, line wise, I I use that that Strike King Tour Grade line. It's uh, for they make fluorocarbon grade and mono. And you know, I use a little bit of all three of those. Probably more fluorocarbon than any anything. But like on all my spinning, I use a a, a braid backing and then a fluorocarbon leader, and that works really well on a spinning reel. Eliminates a lot of twist. Like in the, I remember the old days, we'd throw eight or ten pound mono on a spinning reel, and it's like you're throwing backlashes all day long. <laughs> the line would come off the spool, and but boy, that braid is sure lays on there nice. And you just tie a fluorocarbon leader, and you're good, good to go. Just eliminate so much trouble on a spinning reel. So, um, but yeah, that's the rods, rods, reels, and lines that I use. Yeah, well, they, they they asked me about that, and I said, hey, I'll ask. And the other question, this is kind of from me, but uh, now because you live here on the West Coast, and you know our water out here doesn't warm up quite as fast as maybe it would say in the South or maybe even in the East. How do you deal with the changes in water temperatures from basically one coast to the other? Well, the changes, we, yeah, you can take like a month, the month of April, for example, it'll be, you know, you'll, you'll have water temps pushing 80 down in Florida and Arizona and up in the New York to Washington and Oregon, you've got water temps that are in the, you know, 50 degrees. And so it's, the bass, you know, they spawn early in the year down in the southern states, and usually by now they're pretty much wrapping it up in the, you know, the northern band of the of the United States, and uh, probably up in Canada they're they're getting up, just starting to get on beds right now. So, you know, the water temperature changes a lot as I travel around. We just have to you learn which techniques and baits seem to work best and certain water temps and really the water temp really dictates what stage the fish are in they're either you know in the spring it's either pre-spawn or they're spawning and then the rest of the year it's you know it's pretty warm all summer and then it starts cooling off in the fall and that changes things a little bit too with how you catch them but bass are catchable year round that's what's neat about those about them it's that, that's the thing probably the greatest challenge and and the fun of part of bass fishing is that those fish live in a in, in that lake or that river and they're there year round they're always a way to catch them whether it's no matter how cold it gets although i will say once the water temp gets below 40 they get really really hard to catch and i in the winter i don't fish for them in oregon i winter steelhead fish instead it's um but the once the water's above 40 catch them pretty good and of course probably the best fishing is when it's you know in that in the spring like march it's march and april are really good months up here just as that water starting to warm up those you catch a lot of those really big fish early in the spring and uh like they're around what you're around dayton and newburgh that's march is when you get the really big small mouth there in april you get and later in the spring you get more numbers but not not as many bigger fish. So 
It's uh, but it's yeah, it's so fun. It's always there's always a always a way to figure them out, no matter what the water temp. Well, it's interesting that you bring it up that uh, you know bass are year-round fish, and I think it was five years ago uh, that they opened up Henry Hag Lake out of Forest Grove, and they said, okay, it's going to be open 12 months a year now. And uh, at that time, I was uh, uh, heavily involved with the Oregon Bass and Panfish Club, uh, although I still am, but I was more involved. And I said, hey, let's set up a an event on January 1st. Let's go out and, and uh, catch the first fish of the year. And so now we have continued to do that now for the last five years. Now we've had varying numbers of boats because, you know, there's been a couple of years when there's been snow on the ground up there. But I believe that each year we have, of the boats, we've at least caught one bass. Now, not everybody gets one, but but generally speaking, somebody gets one. So you're right. They can be caught 12 months they out of the can. year. Yeah, it's... it's uh... Yeah, it's, it is really slow. Like, for in Oregon, once you get to about November through February, it's tough. I mean, that's why I just steelhead fish in the wintertime because it's, it's, that's, you know, more of a peak season for those fish, and they're, they like that cold weather, but cold water temp. But bass, are, they do slow down, but you can catch them pretty good. I, I have um, some friends that do well in the cold winter with a float float and fly. I don't know if you ever use that technique. It's a bobber with like a crappie jig underneath it. It's just a way to, in the smallmouth especially, are susceptible to that. But you can, if you get that around a, a smallmouth, they'll bite it in the wintertime when that water gets really cold. They do that a lot at Shasta and some lakes. And they'll, um, back in the south is where that technique started. But that's a good cold water technique you got to try that in your january 1st next year in your little club tournament but it's you just google it float and fly and uh the technique started in tennessee in the winter time and basically yeah it's like a hair jig or a crappie jig under a bobber but you have like a anywhere from 10 to 20 foot bobber stop you know so you're getting it down there to where the fish are down fairly deep that time of year and it just if there's a little breeze blowing, there's just makes that bobber move just enough to give impart just a subtle, a little shiver to that little crappie jig, and it's you know moving super slow, which the bass, when the water's 39 degrees, they their metabolism is slowed way down, so it kind of meets their mood, and you can it's actually kind of fun <laughs> to catch them. I, mean, I know it. Places like Shasta, a guy won a big tournament down there a couple of years ago doing that technique, catching spots off bridge pilings. And, you know, those they suspend all those bridge pilings in the wintertime. And, of course, Hag Lake doesn't have bridge pilings. But I bet if you went and did try that float and fly along the dam on Hag on January 1st, you could catch some bass for sure. And Anyway, well, now, now that you put it all my secrets away. Well, now that you put now that you put it out there, everybody in the club's going googling how to do it. I'm sure we'll see them out Try there it. doing it. Try it. You guys might have a dozen fish brought in next year on January 1st, but that's probably one of the best ways to catch bass when it's really cold, really, really cold like that. And but you got to find them with your electronics. If you can see them on the graph, that really makes it a lot easier. You know what depth to set your bobber stop, and then you just drop it down there. And, 
Let it just watch the bobber. <laughs> like yeah, it was a yeah that bluegill. Well, and that you know, and that'll that'll help. Uh, you know, we typically fish very very slow. Uh, normally, uh, I use a three inch cinco. Uh, on January 1st, and I don't put any weight on it, and I just let it just slowly go down. And generally, that's how we've been getting them. Uh, very, very slow presentation. Okay, right. Something real slow, that's the way to do it. But... Yeah. And kind of going to wrap this up a little bit, then we're going to move on to the, the next topic. And um, now I've heard that there's a difference between good fishermen and great fishermen. That's attitude. As a tournament fisherman, yeah, I know you've encountered times when the fish, you know, they they get hard to hard to catch. They get finicky. How do you keep your focus uh, when those things are happening? Oh, you just have to not lose focus. That's the key. It's that's just part of fishing. Sometimes you go hours without a bite, and and but if you keep doing the right thing, you know. Fishing is a series of educated guesses, right? I mean, we're always kind of guess taking your best shot at which where the fish should be and how how what bait they should be fooled on, and so you do that enough. Sooner or later, you're going to be right. And we all have our stretches where we don't get them and or we get it wrong, and or if the fish aren't there, we don't catch them. But you know, it's. Uh, yeah, mental attitude focus is huge in fishing. The best fishermen are always stay positive, and they have a positive outlook, and they they just know, you know, that they're going to figure out how to catch them, and and uh, and then you just you have to take, you know, your failures with a grain of salt, knowing that hey, everybody goes through hours and even. You know, has bad day, whole days where you just don't catch them. That's just how it is. And we we've had days where we don't get a bite, or or you lose every one that bites, and you get several bites and lose every one. And that's but those are outliers. Those are they happen to everybody, but they're they're pretty rare. And so you just it's important to keep all that perspective too. That it uh, you know, everybody goes through stretches where they don't catch fish, and even the pros do. If you, that's what's neat about being able to watch these. Like, if you watch Bass Live and the Bassmaster Elite Series, some of the other pro tournaments. Sometimes the guys that win the tournament they only catch eight or nine fish all day. You know, and that's not a lot of action. That's like one bite per hour. But if they're the right size fish, then then you'll be in good shape if you're fishing in a tournament. But yeah, it's fun to. Um, it's, you just have to love it. If you enjoy being out there, even when you're not catching them, then then you've got the right positive attitude, and you'll you'll uh, you'll stay focused and keep going because you love it. And uh, sooner or later, you'll get around some fish, and they'll bite, and you'll back on track. And uh, but that's why we, I guess, most of us do it because we do love it, and even if we could go several days without catching one, we'd still love it. <laughs> we were kind of hopeless, hopelessly in love with fishing, so well, we just keep keep grinding away. I had, uh, you know, I get quite a few emails, you know, people commenting, you know, about the podcast and, and that type of thing. I got one the other day from a, a, I believe he's a police officer out of uh, 
the local area here. And uh, he was telling me that he uses fishing for therapy. And I was thinking to myself, therapy? If I'm not out there catching a few fish, then I'm going to need some therapy. <laughs> but uh, he uses it just to go out and fish. Right. So, But I, I have to catch a few now and then. Oh, well, I'd like absolutely, to... yeah. Yeah, that's why, we, that's why I go is to catch them. I mean, yeah, they, some guys go. But, you know, that's the thing about fishing, though. It's, there's a lot of ways to enjoy it. And some people are they're driven by the desire to catch as many as possible or, you know, to win a tournament or whatever. And then others, they go for social reasons, you know, to fish with their child or their grandfather or their brother. And then others go just for the solitude, peace and quiet, get away from a stressful job like being a a cop or, you know, something that has a lot of a pressure and and you just go to unwind and relax and just listen to the birds sing and take a deep breath and just relax all day. So there's and a lot of different there's a lot of different ways to enjoy it that I didn't mention right there. So it's yeah, it's a great sport for everybody. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing, you know, that uh, anybody can do it, which leads me kind of right into the next subject that I, that I wanted to cover, and. As the executive director of Cast for Kids, uh, you know, we've all been cooped up in the house. We're, we're starting to get out a little bit now. And when I talked to you here a couple weeks ago or so, we were wondering, the Oregon, Oregon Bass and Panfish Club folks were wondering, hey, are we even going to be able to have a Cast for Kids event here in the Portland area? And so when I gave you a call, um, you said, yes, we're going to have it. So, Jay, take it away and kind of talk about the event and the time frame and how we can help and how others can help that are going to be listening to this podcast. Sure. Well, yeah. This will be the 23rd annual Cats for Kids at Hag Lake, which is really a, that's something amazing. It shows the power of the program for something to go 23 years. It's got to be doing something right. and got to be good. People enjoy it. But yeah, it's the, you know, we put on a, fishing and boating event for children with special needs and we get volunteers from around around the area you know the west portland and newburgh and all around there that they come and bring their boats and take the kid and their uh, child and their parent or caregiver out fishing for a few hours and then we have they come in from fishing have a lunch usually the uh hillsborough Qantas club cooks comes and cooks a lunch and then we have an award ceremony where we honor the kids, give them a plaque, cheer for them a little bit, and uh, kind of their day. We do it all for the kids. It's, we just do it to, for their benefit, and it's a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, we act, currently have registration open um, at castforkids.org, and you can get on there and register as a boat captain or a shore volunteer or as a participant whatever one category you fall into, but we, we opened registration just last week for the Hag Lake event. So, um, yeah, you know, I talked to Washington County um, about, oh, gosh, I guess it's been about a month ago now, their parks department about, and we're on track to have the event as long as we don't, you know, the, the COVID-19 doesn't go backwards and, 
you know, that we have to scale back in our phases that we're reopening in, then we, we'll be fine to do an outdoor event at HAG in September. So, in fact, we have a cast for kids next Saturday down at Emigrant Lake in Medford. Um, but Jackson County down there has had no trouble at all with the virus. So we, we're good, clear to have a cast for kids down there. And I know Washington County's had a few more cases than most state, most counties in Oregon, but still it's, I think it's less than one person per thousand. It's still pretty light. So that's good. So yeah, I say all that to say that we're very hopeful that cats for kids will happen in September and, uh, things would have to go bad and, you know, and that, that's, that's most likely not going to happen. So yeah, we're, I know the kids are thrilled to go fishing and it's always fun to take them and put a big smile on their face. So that's how folks can do it though. Anybody, the Bass and Panfish Club has been wonderful over the years, <laughs> decades actually of supporting this event and having club members come out and volunteer to take the kids fishing. So, Thanks to all the members of the Oregon Bass and Panfish Club that have volunteered in the past at Cast for Kids. And we look forward to seeing you again this year. It's on uh, Sunday, September 13th this year. It's always the Sunday after Labor Day weekend that we do Hag Lake. So the 23rd annual Hag Lake Cast for Kids. Look forward to seeing everybody there. Well, that's great. And, and again, that is uh, castforkids.org to register. And I'll have that in the show notes for everybody. You know, we will. Yeah, if you right, if you want to put the actual address, you can go to castmakids.org and find search for an event, find Hag Lake, and then register there. Or you, if you type into your browser, castforkids.org backslash event backslash Hag Lake, that'll take you directly to the registration page. Well, that's perfect. I will I will do the search and I will put that in the show notes so that uh, folks can get right to that and get registered because that is an event that uh, this club really really enjoys. And I believe now I'm not don't hold me to this, but I believe that there may be a couple of members who have gone every year to that. Now I haven't been around that long, but I've been going for for several years now, and um, they just love going out there. They love getting the kids in the boat, and sometimes it's just a fun boat ride, and sometimes we, we yeah. get into a bunch of fish, and they just love it. Oh, yeah. The kids, they, they're they just thrilled to be there, and a fish is a bonus. The boat ride is a thrill, and just being being encouraged and, and uh, you know, knowing that you know, being around other kids that are of special needs is where they're included and they're part of the program, they're not something somebody that sticks out as an outsider that kind of, that feels awkward. They feel like they belong at Cast for Kids because the, the event is all about them. When we're actually like throwing a party for them, so they're the the welcome special guest of the day, and we're there to put a big smile on their face, and that's what we do at Cast for Kids. So yeah, it's fun and and yeah, the um, look forward to seeing everybody in September. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. Now, on the website, if they're looking, does it kind of tell some of the details about what the social distancing and special things that we're going to yeah, need to we're do? Gonna, right, we're going to do all that. Uh, yeah, there are some details on the website, but we'll 
I'm assuming in September we'll have to do what we're doing now, you know, and that right now we're having to, at events, we six feet social distancing, masks, and and hand hand sanitizers and gloves. And if, uh, if uh, oh, and then the lunch, we usually have a buffet-style lunch that, um, and this year we're doing sack lunches, so there's no there's no food that's laid out for everybody, somebody to cough on or whatever. We're just going to provide a sack lunch to everybody when they come in from fishing. So, it, you know, the, the events will look a little bit different than they have in the past, lunch-wise, and maybe folks will be wearing masks. But you can still go out and have a ball, you know, and and uh, go boating and fishing and and uh, and and have fun out there. So that's what we're all about. And it's, we just make some adjustments with this, you know, the virus, we're having to, to do things a little bit differently, but, but you still, you just make an adjustment to it and go for it. There's no reason not to go fishing just because you, you know, you might want to have to wear a mask or, or keep, you know, keep your distance from folks. So anyway, it's going to be a good, a good year. We'll, and we'll have, you know, at the Hag Lake event, people will see like tape on the ground six feet apart for standing in line at registration and things like that. So, um, yeah, we're we're doing it the right way and trying to. We want to have a good, safe event. You know, our precious children deserve us doing the best we can to keep them keep them safe and and follow the guidelines. So that's what we do at Cats for Kids. Well, I just I think it's a great event. I mean, I've always enjoyed uh, going. Uh, one of the years that I went, I had uh, two boys in the boat along with a, a parent. And one of the boys was uh, not uh, not uh, handicapped. The other uh, little boy was, I, I can't remember now what, what the issue was, but he had some, some things going on. And the one little boy that was the special guest, he was like, boy, you know, I'd really like to go fast. And my boat's not terribly fast, but it's, it's fast enough. And so we started to take off once we got past the uh, the no wake zone. And the brother, the, the younger one, he says, I'm scared. I, I, I can't do this. And so we slowed down and got off plane. And the older brother, the one that was the, the special guest, he says, uh, he leans over to his dad and he says, uh, you think we can take him back to the dock? <laughs> oh, that's funny. So I can go fast. And so I, I finally I got the little brother. I turned him around. I set him up. In my uh, in the center of my boat there, where where my rod locker was, so that his back was to the water, so that he couldn't see how fast I was going. And I said, "Now look, it's real tight in there." So I said, "You're going to be kind of squeezed in that little box right there." And I says, "You'll be just fine." And I got the boat up on plane. I never told him that we got up over 40 miles an hour, but um, yeah. that was the funniest story. That is funny. Yeah, they the kids love the boat ride. It's a thrill. I mean, I remember the first time I. Letting the bass boat over 30 miles an hour, and the water goes zipping by, and everything's moving real fast, and it's fun. It's a fun time, so it's fun to be able to share that experience and, with these kids and provide an opportunity for them to come outside and, and go boating and fishing. It's great. So we couldn't do it without all our great volunteers like you and other folks from the Oregon Bass and Pan Fish Club. So thank you for all you've done. Yeah, and we've actually, you know, we've been talking about it already, and uh, and I know that um, 
in the past they've been giving out some tackle boxes, and uh, I believe they're going to do that again this year if, I, if I'm right, and uh, that uh, some of the club members are donating, um, you know, a little bit of tackle here and there to them so that, uh, you know, when the kids open the box up, there's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, a few yeah. goodies in there for them. Yeah, I remember Herb and Carol stuffed the boxes last year when, and brought them, and so we had a lot of good uh, tackle donated from the club members. It um, made it extra special for the kids to, you know, we give them all a fishing pole and a tackle box. And so you, the, by all those donations last year, the tackle boxes were pretty much stuffed with tackle items for the kids to enjoy, and that's, you know, that helps. We we encourage these kids to keep fishing, act, you know, and have it become a hobby they can enjoy their whole life. And so that's ha- providing tackle to them just kind of encourages them along that path. It makes it easy for them to go fishing again. They don't have to go out and buy anything. And, and uh, so, yeah, thanks for doing that. Yeah, and, and I want to send out a special thanks to uh, Carol Dumit because she's really the one who's the, the – behind the scenes, uh, collecting all the donations, and she's the one who's putting all those tackle boxes together. And so if you have tackle that you do want to um, uh, donate to the club, uh, go ahead and contact me at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com, and I will get a hold of Carol, and I'll get your email to her, and she'll get a hold of you. And, uh, you know, we're still still accepting donations, and then we'll have things to uh, put in the tackle boxes. So... Uh, it's a great, it's a great time, and the kids love getting that kind of stuff. So, because we want to encourage them to keep fishing. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks, Carol, for doing it. If you're listening, she's the one that orchestrated all that last year and stuffed all the boxes. And so, we yeah. Appreciate you, Carol. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, Jay, I'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast. It's yeah. uh, been a great. Great little time that we've been talking here. You gave me some great information. And any final words? Oh, not really. Um, just uh, looking forward to seeing. I, I see a lot of your members out there at Tag Lake at the Catchment Kid September 13th. So just everybody, everybody stay safe, and we'll see you at Casper Kids here in September. Well, thanks, Jay. And if you're new to the podcast, you can listen to this episode and others uh, on Spotify and iTunes. For show ideas and feedback, email me at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. And I'd like to thank everybody. Until next time, this has been Don Clark, Talking Bass and PDX, and I'll see you on the backcast. <laughs>